0: Good morning. Morning. Good morning, lest you think I'm being unfriendly, <laughs> I'm not. My wife is diagnosed, diagnosed, that sounds forward, doesn't it? Some, some, you ever wonder why they name airports terminals? <laughs> or why do doctors practice medicine? I <laughs> my wife tested positive for COVID. And it's been, she had been doing fairly well and texted me just before I came in and said, this thing just hit my sinuses and they are burning. And she said, no need to write me back. <laughs> I'm like, I'm dying. <laughs> so, so this means Dale gets to eat lunch alone today. I'm a social creature, just know that. Is this thing on? Yeah, it's working. All right. Just want to make sure they can hear me all the way across the United States. Or wherever Pastor Mark is. (laughs) Just nobody, I showed up. All right, I'm talking to the camera. Wow. If you have your Bibles this morning, go with me to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis 22. This is a story that I hate. But but we have to love it. We have to learn this story. It starts out with the contextual statement after these things. Now this is the story where God, I'm just saying I'm avoiding getting out of the camera range. I don't know how far left or right to go, but I think I'm okay. This is the story where God asked Abraham to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice. And for you and I looking back, we would say, okay, I get this. I know why it happened. But we have to put ourselves in the place of Abraham because nobody told him what was going on. And I want you to catch that concept because this This is a picture of what is happening in Abraham's life, but it is also a prophecy. And we need to understand that both of those are happening here. The sacrifice that Abraham is making here is one that is personal. See, we'll we'll talk about this at the end of the message, but anyone could have sacrificed Isaac and said, God said to do it, and so I did. The only one who couldn't do that was Abraham. Because for Abraham, it was something different than God asking for a sacrifice. It was God asking for everything. It was God asking a father for his son. It was God asking Abraham to somehow ignore the promises and do what he said. We have to look at that this morning. This story unfolds in four phases. So let's talk about those four phases this morning. Let's read it first, beginning in verse 1. If you have your Bibles open, Genesis 22. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. Now it came about after these things. After what things? By the way, you just saw I tell you again. It takes me a while to read a scripture because I keep stopping to tell you things along the way. After these things. The after these things is everything that happened before that. It's it's. It is God saying to Abraham, reject, reject the child of Hagar. He's not the one. It's God telling Abraham, Don't worry, I know you're almost a hundred years old. I know your wife's almost 90 years old, but you're gonna have a son. And that son, at the age of a hundred. For Abraham and ninety for Sarah is born. That's crazy, especially if you're trying to raise a child. I don't want. I'm sixty-five, almost sixty-six. I don't want to raise any more kids. Where's your think about it, doesn't it, Tom? <laughs> this this story resonates with us with us seniors. I. Right? I get it. It's, it's okay, Sidney. Go ahead. But there's more. There's and it it's it's this mix of Abraham gets into this deal with a guy named Abimelech and he and he ends up telling Abimelech that it's that his wife is his sister. Don't get all don't get all analytical on me but she was she was a half- sister to him and 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 he says she's my sister instead of my wife and he tries to take her as his wife and God stops him and Abraham gets rebuked in this whole thing and then and then you have this whole story about lot in the city of Sodom and the evil that's there and all of that's taken place and then we get to chapter 22 and it says after these things, God has walked Abraham through incredible experiences of both highs and lows. And says, now, after these things, God tested Abraham. All of this stuff is to prepare him. I, I, I have good news and bad news. The good news is. God loves you, and he knows where you're at. The bad news is, nobody in this room, if you're still breathing, is too old to be tested. This isn't even in my notes. But sometimes the hardest tests come at the end. And our prayer has to be, God, keep me faithful keep my eyes on you. And my prayer, my prayer has been through the ages, through the years, help me to finish well. Now I understand there are mental incapacitations and all of those things that Sometimes people behave badly. They didn't know they were. I get that. I'm I'm dealing, we're dealing right now with my own father-in-law going through Alzheimer's and, and all of those things. And it's a different way of behaving than we were used to. I get all that. But as far as I, I'm saying, God help me to trust you to the end. I believe when God says in Romans 8, for we know that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. Everyone called according to his purposes. He's not saying that all things are good that happen to those who love the Lord. He's saying that he will work them together for good. I'm telling you right now, the darkest moments in our life, God still has purposes for. We'll get to that. God, did I get you verse 2? I know. I'm doing well, (laughs) Deb. I'm doing really well here. (laughs) Now I came about after these things, and God tested Abraham and said to him, "Abraham," and he said, "Here I am." And then he said, "Take now your son, your only son." I I want to stop right there and preach, but your only son—he's not talking about the son of Hagar anymore. He's been rejected. He's saying the only, he's not saying that this is the only child you have. He's saying this is the only son of covenant with Sarah, your covenant wife. Your only son, whom you love. By the way, just catch this. God God already knew what the issue was going to be. The one you love, Isaac, lest there be any doubt who this is, And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. Not just an offering, you can say, no, a burnt offering. On one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Abram got up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him. And his son Isaac, and he split wood for the burnt offering. And he set out and he went out to the place of which God had told him. And on the third day, Abram raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. And then Abram said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey and I, and I and the boy will go over there and we will worship and return to you. And Abram took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. And Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, Father? And he said, Here I am, my son. And and he said, Look, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb? For the burnt offering. And Abram said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. And when they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abram built the altar and there and arranged the wood, bound think of this, and bound his son, and laid him on the altar, on top of the wood. And Abram reached out his hand, and he took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abram, Abram. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not touch. Do not reach out your hand against the boy. And do not do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abram raised his eyes and looked and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. And Abram went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering in the place of his son. And Abram named that place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will take the word, your word, and move it into our minds and into our hearts today. That you never ask more than you're willing to provide for. Guide our thoughts and our words, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so the first phase, I think I already told you the first phase, is preparation. Preparation. He says... After these things, <laughs> do, you ever, do you ever fear what God may ask of you in life? Sure, I did, I did, I can remember, and it was not, once I became, once I gave my life to Christ, I was a, teen, I was 17 and a half years old and I gave my life to Christ, and it was because, it, it, it's, it's different, I think, when you grew up in the culture of church, that if you were a person that never was in church and didn't know what goes on, but I had this—I had this thought after I gave my life to Christ that God was going to ask me to do something horrible. Mm-hmm. You know, He was going to make me marry an ugly girl. <laughs> I mean, really? I mean, I thought, man, man, did I have that one wrong? I'm like, but I mean it's like, what? A, it was like. Surely there's going to be something. He's going to make me be a missionary, where there are snakes and, and 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 just all, you know, listen to me. Anything God, God, stop. God will ask you for the hardest thing in your life. We'll get to that in a minute. But I'm telling you, if you do what God asks, it will never be. Misery; It will bring joy to your life. But the preparation was all that had led up to this thing. Don't dread what God may ask. Sometimes the blasting that God allows is for the blessing that God has planned. That's why Romans 8 says, we know that all things work together for good. God has purposes. But don't you wish... That you knew ahead of time see the first phase is the preparation the second phase is the examination here's the problem god never told abraham it was a test isn't that funny at the end it's the the, the writer probably moses who wrote this says he gives you this glimpse God tested Abraham. Wouldn't that be nice to know ahead of time? Wouldn't it be great if he just put up a big sign that says, test ahead. I'm right coming across on US 10 this morning and it says, left lane closed ahead, left lane closed. They even put red rumble strips across the road to say, left lane's going to be closed ahead. They warned me there is a test coming, you better get over. But nobody came to Abraham and said, okay, buddy, You got the kid, your nephew got rescued, now, hey, Abram, there's a test ahead. Just be ready for it. I work in the schools. We always warn the kids, there's a test. We don't do pop quizzes anymore. We don't shock them. We tell them to be prepared. There's a test ahead. But that's not how life works. We are designed that we cannot see one moment into the future. We think we can. We get it all planned. We get it all organized. We we think we are ready. By the way, knowing the test is coming is different than knowing what the test is going to be. I, I had a professor in college, Dr. David Smith, Dr. Smith was one of the most godly men. Uh, He was just a phenomenon. He died way too early. He died of brain cancer. But but, um, he did something I just hated. I just hated. Every time there was a test in his class, I had him for New Testament theology. I'm trying to think what else. Anyway, he was just a a brilliant man. But he would, this is Bible college. So he would pray for us before we took a test. Now, Gordon, if if I'm ready to take a test, I can tell you what the prayer I want to hear is. God, help these boys to remember stuff they never even looked at. He would pray, God, help these boys, because there's all men in the class, help these young men to remember what they have studied. Oh, (laughs) Thanks a lot. (laughs) It's what. Here's what I'm telling you. The preparation is what sets us in place to be ready for the examination because it is going to come. I wish I could say to you, the tests are all over, but they're not. There are more tests for all of us to come. So, the examination. Abraham is facing this examination. I'm looking here because I want to make sure I... um, Yeah, Abraham didn't know it was a test. But here's what I want to say about this. When God tested Abraham, you you can almost know ahead of time where you're going to get tested. Because God tests based on what we treasure the most. See, I believe this is absolutely pinnacle and pivotal in the doctrine of sanctification or holiness. This surrender of every idol, every high place in my life, My father-in-law's, I would say he's battling, but it's not a fight. He just, it just sweeps in with Alzheimer's and many things he forgets. He struggled and struggled this week to ask me where that story is in the Bible about the Holy Spirit came in power and the place was shaken. That man has preached from that text in Acts chapter two over and over, but he couldn't remember where it was but I can tell you what he can remember. And he can tell it with the clarity as though it happened yesterday. See, my father-in-law was was a, a farm boy who had been abused in many ways, especially emotionally by his own father, who was socially incredibly backward and inept, who was so full of bitterness, he was a fighter. I mean, he would get in fist fights, he was mad at the world, he was angry at the world. And at the Pisgah Heights Wesleyan Church during a revival service, my dear friend from years, Brother Jerry Hyde, and some of you know Brother Hyde, Brother Hyde went and invited his old friend, Bill Britton to come to a revival service and there God put his finger on Bill's heart. Bill asked Jesus to forgive him for his sin, his sin, and come into his life. He had a little boy. But then, see Bill, and if you know, if you knew my father-in-law, there's one thing people know about him: he's the hardest-working man everybody anybody ever knew. By the way, his daughter's not far behind him. With COVID yesterday, she went out and helped me stack firewood. And cleaned up her garden. And I'm going, aren't you supposed to be sick? Well, I'm not gonna sit around and do nothing. Just say it. that was my father. He was the hardest working guy. He had he was a builder, and he was building a dairy farm. He had a grade A dairy with I can't remember how many cows he was milking but these were premium cattle these are, he had he had been selected and saved and bought and and had developed and he had this farm that was so productive and he goes to church for a revival service and God decides to put his finger on Bill's life and say I want you to preach the gospel and Bill has to argue with God about this and he says now wait a minute What about my friend Dave over here? Dave likes people and Dave's not shy. In fact, Dave asked you if you'd call him to preach and you told him no. Why don't you let Dave preach? (laughs) God said, I called you. And he kept arguing with God. And God said, Bill, will you trust me? Will you trust me with your farm? The Lord would say, that's my farm. You know how hard I work for it. God said, I know, but I'm asking you, would you give it to me? And he said, I will. And he asked him about his building business. He said, would you give it to me? And he said, I will. And then he said, God did the thing I didn't, I knew I didn't want him to do. And he said, Bill, will you give me your family? And he said, I stopped in that moment. And I said, God, I can't do that. It's my family. By that time, two more children, including my wife, were in the mix. He said, God, I can't do that. And God told him in essence, I can't bless you. I cannot provide unless you surrender it all to me. Now listen to me. You can tell God he's being unfair all day long. You can say, "What? why that? Here's what I want to tell you this morning. God already knows. God already knows what you treasure more than anything in the world. And you say, well, why would he ask for that? Because he told us the answer in this story. He says to Abram, he says, don't touch the boy. Now I know. Now I know. And my father-in-law sold his farm. And my father-in-law rededicated his business. He built dozens of churches. He became the consultant for the Northern Michigan, North Michigan District of the Wesleyan Church. He was their go-to guy between he and Dave Wood and probably your dad, about on that building committee, whether the church was ready to build or not, what they needed to do. And he would go in and build. I attend the church that my father-in-law built. I preached revivals in the churches my father-in-law built while he was pastoring a church. My father-in-law would tell you to this day, he was never a great preacher, and he wasn't, but nobody ever loved a church like he loved a church. Every church he ever pastored grew, multiplied in numbers. I remember the day we I was engaged to Marilyn before we were married, because the week, the month after we got married, he moved from pastoring the Holton Lake Church to this little place called Edgetts. Anybody ever been to Edgetts? Beautiful downtown Edgetts. It's just south of Bristol. That's that's a joke. And I I remember saying to my father-in-law, what are you doing? Do you not realize that that's in the middle of nowhere? He said, This was his answer. Oh, no, it's not. It's in the center of everything. I'm going, everything? It's in the center of Tustin and Luther. But God, watch, God called him. He had a prospering church. It was growing. They, they bought built a new building, completely re- renovated it, and had an entire facility. that was just amazing. I got married there, and it's still to this day the same building that the Wesleyan Church in Hope Lake is in. And he went from there to a little building out on the side road, And he began to work, and they had a high Sunday of 329 people in that little church. Record attendance, they had to add on, turn the building around, and he grew that thing, not by himself. But how did it happen? Because he surrendered it all. He said, here's my my farm. Here's my family. Here's my business. It's all yours. God comes to Abraham, and he says, I know I promised you that you would be the father of a multitude. But will you give me the one thing that you treasure more than anything in the world? God tested Abraham. Whom do you love more? Some say that we all have an Isaac. But if we do, would we pass the test? Phase three. The third phase is submission. Abraham has taken his son. Now, I want to tell you this. This story tells not just about Abraham, but it tells about Isaac as well. Think of this. Isaac is old enough that he can carry enough firewood for a sacrifice on his back. According to the Bible, Isaac carried the wood he is probably a young teenager by this age he not only carries the wood but he is a logical person and he looks at his father and he says okay we've got fire we've got wood but where's the sacrifice where's it at and Abraham's answer I love Abraham's answer it's don't worry son God will provide. God will provide. But watch what happens. Abraham binds his son. Now, there's not one picture of any resistance from Isaac. He trusts the father. He trusts the father. The father binds him. And it says he picked him up and he laid him on the wood. And he has the knife drawn. You can pause the picture. The sun is glinting on the goal of the blade before Isaac, before Abraham is ready to sh- to, to drop it. And, and the word used in the NASB is to slaughter his own son. I'm telling you, there is nothing that can describe what must have been going on in Abraham's mind. But he knew what God had promised. Bible says in Hebrews chapter ten verse nineteen that Abraham considered considered that word meant it means in fact the the, the Greek word there is logios or, or something like that and it's the the it's the 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 heat I'll get it right yeah the Greek. Word from which we draw our word logic or logical. And so Abram came to a logical conclusion. And here's what he concluded. God made a promise to me, and God will keep his promises. God asked me to do something, and he knew full well this is illogical. I'm considering this. It's not logical, but I know that I know I heard from God. I'll do what He asked me to do. And He raises a knife. Considering Hebrews twelve eleven tells us that God, who called him, could raise this child back to life, resurrect him. That's amazing. Abraham believes in the resurrection power of God before anybody ever thought of it. Wow. Imagine this. God had said to Abraham, take your son, the son whom you love. By the way, that's an important thought. I want to just pause. This is kind of an outtake. There's... What theologians would call the law of first appearance or first use, any time a word is used for the first time in Scripture, it always carries significance and importance. That passage in Hebrews 20, or Genesis 22, where it says, take your son, your only son, the son that you love, is the first time the word love is used in all of Scripture. And it's the love of a father for his son. Abraham. Had to submit. See, submission rests on this. You have only two conclusions that can be drawn. When God asks something of you, it is either that God is fickle and cannot be trusted, or God is faithful and he can be trusted. Either God is fickle and he can't be trusted, or God is faithful. And he can be trusted. Abraham reasoned. Abraham's considered. Abraham concluded. Abraham figured. He sees it all the way through. He turns the worst time in his life to a worship time. But there's more. The fourth phase of this is the phase of anticipation. You see, this is a prophetic story, not just a picture of a man who's asked to do something difficult. It's not just a picture of surrender. It's a prophecy of God's solution for the sin of mankind. This is a foreshadowing of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. There are fascinating parallels here. Abraham or Isaac and Jesus... Both supernatural births. Isaac and Jesus, both by the way, named before they were born. Both out of prophecy. Isaac and Jesus both carried the wood on their backs. Isn't that amazing? They were both miraculous. This is a picture, a prophecy. Isaac says, where's, where's the lamb? Jesus said, I am the Lamb. See the story separate here. Because for Isaac there was a substitute. But for Jesus He was the substitute. It was your sin and mine that nailed him to the cross. And God loved his son. God so loved his son. Isn't this amazing? That God so loved his son that he did himself what he asked Abraham for. He gave his only son as a sacrifice for our sins. That's amazing. The similarities. I didn't touch on this, but God told Abraham, go to the region of Moriah. Go to Moriah. Second Chronicles tells us that there's a place there where David bought property to build a temple. And that's where his son Solomon built the temple on Mount Moriah, in Jerusalem. We know it as the Temple Mount. But did you know that there is a, a chain or a small... Not, we call the, the Bible calls the mountains. They're really not mountains, they're high places. But there's a ridge, and the highest point of that ridge is a place called Golgotha, or Calvary. And that's the same place, many believe historically, that it's the exact same place where Abraham took Isaac. The place where Jesus died on the cross. For your sins and mine. Don't you just want to scream, wow, what a coincidence. No, no. God was making a promise that there's an answer for the sin of the world. And it's Jesus. Jesus he proved it. That's another whole series to prove Jesus was who he said he was. But he was. And he loves you. And he died for you. And that's powerful. So, then the question is, when your hour of testing comes, and it will, it has. How many in this room could say this morning, I have been through testing? Sure, Absolutely. You will be. We all will. I I want to tell you this. You may think it's a bad thing, but it's not. Nobody gets out of life untested. Nobody of faith gets out untested. Because you not only need to show God your faith, you need to learn it for yourself. That he is faithful. I want to tell you something this morning. You can be trusted. God God can be trusted you can trust him. How committed was Abraham to this act? Isn't this interesting? God called Abraham one time, spoke his name, and he did what he asked him to do. But to stop him, he had to call him twice. Abraham. Do you know in the Hebrew language, Whenever a word is repeated back to back, it doesn't mean it's twice. It means it's multiplied. It's magnified. The angel of the Lord said, Abram, and I think if you could do put it would be a screaming. Because I now know, I'm telling you, you'll do what I've asked. I know it. Do you know you do what God asks? No matter what. Lord Jesus, I know the days that you have tested my faith. And I'm ashamed of the times that I've been hesitant I wish it could be like Abram. He never looked back. He never he never wins. He just did. And he had such incredible faith. He looked at those young men and said, don't worry, I and the boy are going to go sacrifice and then we are going to come back. He knew one way or the other, you were going to keep your word. May we be so resolved that we serve a God who is faithful that no matter what you ask of us, no matter what the test, no matter what the, the trial, we will trust you. Thank you, Jesus. I pray this week. We will absolutely walk in genuine faith in Jesus' precious name. Amen. It has been just an honor to be with you today, but I'm not going to greet you. Everybody, put out your hand. All right, let's shake. It. <laughs> you can't go home and say, the preacher didn't even shake my hand. <laughs> I might have shaken my finger but I didn't. <laughs> all right. So I'm gonna if, if you all don't mind, I'm gonna make a quick exit. Is that all right? Yeah. All right. Thank you, Dad. You're welcome. You, Man, I love you guys. Tell Mark he doesn't have to wait. <laughs> all right, God bless you. Yeah. I'm I'm I I will tell her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>